Sports fans, what's happening? We're about two weeks into the NBA season, and I tell you what, I am locked in. I've watched, I've never watched more NBA games in a two-week period than I have this two-week period, because I'm excited, and I'm rested, and I'm not worrying about the daily podcast, which nearly killed me last year, and I'm excited to be here with you on a Tuesday night recording what may be a long podcast, who knows, we'll see. How we go? It's Adonis Muir. This is the out of date titled NBA Daily Cash Lines podcast because we're not daily. We're more like fortnightly, and we're not really about cash lines. This is basically the NBA banter from an uneducated idiot coming to you from Perth in Western Australia. Adonis Muir is my Twitter handle, but you already knew that. You can find me also on Facebook. And if you haven't already found me on Facebook, then go over there and throw me a like because a lot of fun shit happens over there. I post the best videos I see. Pretty much whatever makes me laugh. I've got some uh, pretty exciting news. If you were on my NBA Facebook page, you would have seen me announce this news yesterday, about 24 hours ago. And that's that I finally got myself a sponsor. But if you remember when I started this podcasting like, it was... Under the guise of gambling, I quickly learned that my tips were not as accurate or as fun as my fire analysis and general good humor. Uh, and so people kind of stopped tuning in for the, you know, the professional gambling advice because I'm not a professional, I'm an amateur. But thankfully, I've actually partnered up with some professional gamblers, some guys that are giving just the most amazing betting gambling advice that I've seen. Currently, they're on a ridiculous streak of predicting really, really good. They, they don't concentrate on the winners of games like I did last season, but they concentrate more on player performance. So, you know, you pick a player, the line is set at how many points they score, and they tell you whether to go over or under. And so it's with great pleasure that I announce that I am being sponsored this season by the fantastic group Player Line Pro. Now, who are PlayerLine Pro? Well, last year, you remember, I spoke about a guy called Frosty, uh, and we talked about Frosty's Friskies, but I didn't really uh, get too in-depth at that, because I wanted to stay in my lane, which was betting on, you know, sporting results. But but Frosty has started PlayerLine Pro, and their record absolutely speaks for itself, and it's with great pride that I'm associating myself with these guys. Look, I absolutely would big these guys up, just because they're my sponsors, but... I don't have to make anything up. All you have to do is get onto their Facebook page, PlayerLine Pro, get to their official website, and just have a look at the results. These guys, you don't even have to sign up with them. They give you, if you follow them on Facebook, if you follow them on Instagram, they give you one free tip per day. Now, this season, they are 14-0. and 0. That is absolutely ridiculous, 14-0. and 0. So you get a free tip uh, every day, like I said, without paying. If you want to sign up to be a professional member, I believe it's about $30 a month. I'll have to double check that. For $30 a month, you get an extra two or three tips per night, and they have something like a 40% return on investment. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. So I only discovered this website about five or six days ago. It was five days ago, actually, because I'm 5-0. and oh. Uh, well, I've won five days in a row. I'm actually 7-0 and oh because I, I went professional yesterday, got all three tips right. Uh, and so I've made a couple of hundred bucks already. Now, a couple of hundred bucks is nice. This absolute psychopath 
absolute psychopath who's been following these guys since the start of the year just kept pushing his winnings into new bets and he has made $75,000. Absolutely ridiculous. Now, no one recommends that sort of style of betting. Uh, it's really, really dumb. But it paid off for this guy and I really suggest that you guys get involved with PlayerLine Pro and ride this hot streak like I am. Tomorrow's looks really good. I'm not going to spoil it for you. I'll, I'll let you log into Facebook and see what looks to be a pretty cut and dry under <coughs> Sacramento is the clue. All right, so guys, Playline Pro, they're the first sponsors of the NBA Daily Cash Lines podcast. You'd be doing me a massive favor if you would go over to their Instagram page, their Twitter page, uh, their, you know, just get onto their professional page and tell them that Matthew Pugsley Muir sent, them, sent you. So, there's so much to talk about, but being the negative prick of a man that I am, I want to start with a little new section that I've invented called the Dumpster Fires. Uh, I don't know why I use the Jewish Brooklyn accent there, but it just sounds fun. Dumpster Fires. Try it. Um, look, I'm going to be talking about guys, teams that have just absolutely not met up to expectations. They're really, really disappointing. Not necessarily teams that completely lack talent. Spoiler alert. Philadelphia are not in my list of dumpster fires, even though they are still currently winless. This is more teams that do have talent or should have talent and just haven't lived up to expectations. So we're going to start with the countdown. There's eight in the dumpster fire this week. Um, it might not always be eight, but we'll just see how we go as the season progresses. Now, who's first in the dumpster fire? I'm very cold and my sciatica is playing up. I think that impression just became the little Jewish kid on South Park. Definitely. Definitely. So, um, please don't sue me. The impression was terrible. Uh, Trey Parker or whatever the fuck your name is, uh, leave me alone. Number eight in the dumpster fires are the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, I haven't actually caught more than a condensed game of these guys, and I know that for a fact, and I'll tell you why in a little while. Uh, but I just can't. I've never been able to bring myself to bring bring myself to watch the Memphis Grizzlies. I can't stand Mike Conley's game, even though I acknowledge he is an above average point guard. I just I just don't find him entertaining. I don't find him particularly creative. It's just a vanilla, you know, NBA 2K 76 rated point guard, and I just get no excited from watching him. Mark Gasol, I like as, as I like as a person. He's a really funny guy. Um, don't particularly appreciate his game. I like athletic, long, tall, skinny shot blockers. He can block a few shots, uh, but he's not the style of player that kind of excites me. So I haven't caught these guys. I can't necessarily talk about why they suck so much but they they currently have a record of three and four which is about where I kind of predicted them to be um it, it seems just from looking at the box scores that these guys have to have like, the stars of the team have to have an absolutely amazing performance for them to scrape by with a win and their wins are kind of like points totals in the low 80s and 90s and that's including overtime games so they just don't seem like uh, an exciting team and like I, like I said in the preseason um, podcast where we were talking about the overs and unders, this team is so shallow. This is so shallow. They've got two stars, maybe three if you count Chandler Parsons, who uh, finally came back and obviously looked terrible the other day. Uh, again, just from looking at the box score. Um, but like I said, I just don't think this team has the depth to do anything, and I think they're going to really, really struggle. They are one Mark Gasol injury away from being a really, really bad lottery team. So... They're number eight in the dumpster fire, but if Chandler Parsons can, you know, find a little bit of form now that he's back from injury, and if those three guys can ball hard like they did last year, uh, then these guys might be out of the fire. 
Now, I alluded to this a second ago, but what I've actually started to do this year is keep a record of how many games I watch, just so I can make sure that my eyes kind of get a good feel of all 30 teams rather than just concentrating on the, you know, the banner teams like Golden State and OKC and even my shitty Phoenix Suns. So it's quite an interesting experiment, right? You know, if you're a massive hoop junkie, it's, I, I suggest doing it because it it really shows you, um, you know, the teams you're sort of drawn to. And, you know, after a while, after it's been two weeks and there's three or four teams that I still just haven't managed to catch a full 48 minutes. And so we're talking about Brooklyn I haven't seen, Memphis, I haven't seen. Dallas, I'm keen to see a game, but I haven't caught them. So they're teams that kind of you can understand not wanting to spend your precious time on. It's an interesting experiment, and I'll be able to tell by the end of the year kind of which teams I'm naturally drawn to. So number seven is the Orlando Magic. Now, these guys started awfully, which is probably pretty easy to predict. New coach, quite a few new parts, uh, you know, two new bigs in Ibaka and Biombo. Look, guys, Serge Ibaka just isn't that good anymore. I, there are rumors of him, you know, and I hate to perpetuate the whole Africans lie about their age, but there are rumors that this guy's about three or four years older than he purports to be, and he's kind of playing like it because he just doesn't have the physical gifts that he that we saw when he was a young gun coming out there playing for Oklahoma City. He's not blocking that many shots, he's not killing it on the rebounds, and he's not really aggressively getting to the rim which you know he did have the ability to be a bit of a post-up player when he first started just through his raw athletic ability and now he doesn't have that so he settles for the jump shot sometimes they fall sometimes they don't but he's just not that good a player anymore Evan Fournier I like um, but he's just too inconsistent in shooter he goes from 25 point games to four point games and that's not good enough when basically him and his uh, the only shooters on this team at the moment, um, unless you count DJ Augustine, which I don't because he doesn't play enough time. Look, uh, before the season, uh, we heard that Aaron Gordon was going to be kind of the next Paul George. Uh, I, you know, very very. We all like Aaron Gordon because of the dunk comp, and he's an athletic guy. And I'm super excited that he's in a lot of my fantasy teams. But he's not a playmaker like George. He doesn't have the I'm not going to say IQ. He doesn't have the passing ability. He certainly doesn't have the handle. Uh, so it's leading to a lot of turnovers and a lot of malfunction in this offense. Uh, a clogged toilet offense, to use the Bill Simmons phrase. So Peyton, again, it's hard to have a point guard that doesn't shoot very well. And he does not shoot very well. He has a fucking ridiculous haircut. Um, this team is just put together really, really badly, and I think that we're going to see a trade sometime during the season. They're going to have to lose a big. They're going to have to move Aaron Gordon up to the four because he's not a three. Uh, an interesting trade would be uh, with Sacramento. Uh, there's a lot of talk of Rudy Gay wanting to leave Sacramento. I think Rudy Gay doesn't particularly make this Orlando team a playoff contender, but it certainly would balance out that roster a bit. So perhaps an Ibaka for Gay trade would be of interest. So the number seven team are your Orlando Magic. Number six, speaking of the Kings, look, they've only got two scorers on their team so far, and that's Rudy Gay and DeMarcus Cousins, who are both averaging over 20 points. I think DeMarcus is around about 25. Uh, the next highest is Aaron Aflalo, which is ridiculous because he's only down at eight, and Ben McElmore is about the same. Darren Collison will help, but this team absolutely sucks other than Boogie and they're horrible to watch. Uh, I don't know what they're doing in terms of direction because they're a mixture of 
not particularly young, talented players and veterans that are supposed to be, you know, when you've got a team of four or five veterans on the team, you want to at least be a contender. And these guys certainly are not going to be a contender. I can't see them making the playoffs the way they've looked. Uh, and the veterans that they've got there aren't particularly good at leadership or anything like that. You've got Matt Barnes with his shitty top knot, which I'll talk about later. He's a guy that will drive 100 kilos if you even look at his girlfriend the wrong way or his ex-wife the wrong way. Uh, he's a brawler. You've got Ty Lawson, who's an alcoholic. He says from his high horse as he drinks a vodka. Uh, you've got Darren Collison, who's a, well, you know, let's just call a spade a spade. He's a wife beater. Uh, he's back now. Look, you know, he's had a pretty clean record until now. Um, it's an awful, awful crime. Uh, he's done the time, as it were, so we'll see what happens there. And the other vet you've got there is Aaron Aflalo, who just has too many L's in his name. So this is a, a team that's ugly to watch unless Boogie's putting on a performance, and playoffs is going to be a real struggle for them. So they're certainly in the dumpster fire. Number five is the Indianapolis Pacers, a team that I expected way more from. So I expect this is the team that I expected the most from, who are actually the lowest Defense is just absolutely foreign to these guys. They are they're just completely porous, uh, despite the great interior play by I was about to say Miles Davis, but obviously I don't mean that. I mean Miles Turner. Um, he had the start of the year. If you're a fantasy fan, Miles Turner was ranked something like five or sixth, really, really early because of the amount of blocks, uh, field goals, and and rebounds. He was just an absolute stud. But for some reason, he's been playing. Less and less. I haven't watched that much of Indiana just yet, but mainly because I was absolutely repulsed by their effort against the Chicago Bulls. Not only because I bet on Indiana, because um, I'm always betting against Chicago this year, but there just was no defense in that game, and it was a layup line for the Chicago Bulls. Transition defense, it's like they've never even heard of it. And it's weird because there's so many good vets on this team. Now, none of them are particularly known for playing defense, but... Thad Young, uh, Jeff Teague, Al Jefferson, I expected more from this team, and I haven't completely given up on them. I still think they're going to find a way to make the finals, but I am certainly worried about them. Nate McMillan has never really been known as a defensive coach, and it really tells because they suck, and any team that knows how to run uh, is going to put up something like 120, 130 points against this crap team until they can find a way to somehow get some stops. So... Indiana are number five on the dumpster fire. Another team that have disappointed me a lot, you know, and, and I actually put a bet on these guys to get the over on the season, and that's the Washington Wizards. Now, my the, the reasoning I gave you uh, in my preseason pod was that the coaching change from Randy Whitman to Scott Brooks I, I thought was going to be enough to at least get this team to win a few extra games, but so far they've just looked crap, and... Any faith I had in Scott Brooks, and that wasn't much after what we saw in Oklahoma City. Look, he's had some freaking weird sub-rotations. Fair enough, you have to rest John Wall sometimes, but Brad Beal has had... Brad Beal? Brad Beal has had, like, so many injuries in the last few years, and he's had games where he's played 40 minutes, and... Look, I just don't like the coaching. I don't think Scott Brooks is very good. Uh, Brad Beal... We've seen that he's got games where he can fill it up and score 30, but he's just not a consistent player. And if he's not hitting shots, he doesn't really give you anything on the defensive end. Uh, John Wall's amazing, but he still hasn't got a consistent enough jump shot. And 
teams are just working this out and are certainly going under the high pick and roll. Now, Wall's still good enough and quick enough that he can still get to the ring or he can still feed Marcin Gortat, the Polish hammer, when he rolls to the basket, but teams have easily found a way to shut this team down and they don't really have much going for them. So, the Washington Wizards are fourth in the dumpster fire sweepstakes. Number three in the fire. It's quite ironic, really, because they're the Suns. Uh, and it hurts me so much. <laughs> Call your favorite team, you know, in the, in the dumpster fire. But they are. There's so much young talent on this team, and it should be a rebuilding season. But this is what happens when you promote, you know, rookie head coaches who probably shouldn't be there. They're going to do anything they can to, you know, save their own bacon and... And basically, it, what what tends to happen with coaches like this is that they'll play veterans when they should be blood. The Suns aren't going to make the finals this year, so you need to be blooding the rookies. You need to be blooding the two or three year players. But Watson's trying to save his ass, so he's playing guys like Tyson Chandler, who incidentally looks like an Islamic imam. Have you seen a picture of this guy's beard? Is out of control. Sort your shit out, dude. Uh, Tyson Chandler's playing. Don't get me started on Jared Dudley. Um, don't get me started on Jared Dudley. <laughs> I could talk about. I have talked about Jared Dudley at length, but it's just ridiculous that he's playing. He 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 turns open layups into just you know here have the ball block me. He can't even get up enough to touch the ring. He's six foot seven. He looks like he's about six foot two. I still think I could beat him in a hundred meter race. Not a fan of Jared Dudley. Um, he shouldn't be playing. So we have so much young talent on this team. Um, Devin Booker is an absolute stud. He's only 20 and he's hitting ridiculous shots. I said he, I said preseason he could be perhaps a poor man's Clay Thompson. I'm upgrading him. If he learns how to play defense like Clay Thompson, uh, he oh god, he could be a 15 year All Star. The shots that this kid has the confidence to take and make is just spectacular, and he's the sole reason why I watch Phoenix games. But Guys like Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris are not getting any court time under Watson, and that really, really shits me. Another shining light has been TJ Warren, but the success stories of these young guys just doesn't undo the fact that the veterans are playing too many minutes, and the Suns are still losing games, so what's the point? Again, it just reminds me of how annoying it is that the Suns hired Earl Watson without even opening up coaching, uh, you know, they didn't even give anybody else a chance to apply for the job, which is, to me, I, I've given up hope with Ryan McDonough, um, who's from the Danny Ainge School of General Management, but I don't, I couldn't see Daniel, uh, Danny Ainge appointing a former player without even asking. You know, Danny Ainge came away with the best young coach in the league. Uh, Ryan McDonough came away with Earl Watson. So the Suns are square in the fire, which takes us to number two, the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks are old, man, and they're playing like it. Look, I already said to you before, I haven't caught a full game. I've just caught some condensed highlights, and they're old, and they're playing like they're old. They're also finding out what happens when you play when you pay a role player like Harrison Barnes max money. He's not a good player. He, he's an average player. He's very high usage. He'll have some 30-point games. He's actually leading the NBA in minutes this year. But he's not a good player, and if you're running your offense through him, if he's the the shot taker at the end of the shot clock, uh, you're going to have a bad time. And Dirk Nowitzki's missed a lot of games. He's got an Achilles problem. Uh, so basically, it leaves all the shots coming down to Wes Matthews, also who has dealt with an Achilles problem, 
and um, Harrison Barnes and and Darren Williams as well when he's actually playing. Uh, these guys are terrible, and they look terrible, and they're not winning games. I think their record is one and five or one and six. Where are we here? One and five. Uh, I picked these guys for the under, and I'm feeling very, very good about that. Um, I really don't know what they're planning to do because they've got a team full of veterans. They don't have much young talent, uh, and they're really going to have to rebuild because it's not going to happen. Uh, one shining light has actually been J.J. Barea. I can't believe this guy's still in the league, but he's getting big minutes. He's putting up numbers like 15, 16 points, 6 assists, and 4 steals. Again, haven't watched the game, so I don't know if he's still doing that ridiculous head-flailing thing where he gets the offensive foul. Uh, very annoying player, but I respect the hell out of him because he's only five foot one, thereabouts, and still absolutely doing a really great job. So that leads us to the number one dumpster fire team, and that is pretty predictable. The winless New Orleans Pelicans. Not only do they have the worst name in NBA history, they also have, it seems, the worst injury luck in NBA history and the worst luck, indeed, with the Drew Holiday situation. Look, they're basically a team of D-League talent surrounding an absolute all-timer. I've watched a few of these games, and Anthony Davis is just having the best season ever so far. Obviously, the first two games where he scored nearly 50 points were ridiculous, but he's been very, very consistent. I've only seen one game where he kind of had a, a down game, scored probably less than 20 points, uh, and very low efficiency, but Davis, if you remember, grew up playing as a point guard, a shooting guard maybe, again, I don't fact check, to steal from the Michael Rappaport podcast, but he, he plays like a guard, he gets the ball, he puts it on the floor, and he gets up a really quick little runner, really quick little jump shot before the bigs that are guarding him can even react to him, so the guy is an, he's going to be an instant Hall of Famer, I wish there was some talent around him. Yeah, they've had some injury luck, injury bad luck, but at the end of the day, I can't believe that Del Demps, the general manager, still has a job here because these guys suck. The team is put together put together terribly. Uh, look, I I was sitting on the fence with Alvin Gentry, but seeing as though he's still playing Omer Ashik pretty decent minutes, I've kind of given up. Like you've got guys like Ajinka, Alexi Ajinka. Don't know how to pronounce the name, uh, and Terence Jones, who have talent and are certainly anybody. Anybody's going to be better than Omer Ashik, and this guy's still playing minutes. So I'm on the fire Del Demps, fire Alvin Gentry camp, because these guys are square in the fire, and I can't see a way of them getting out. Even when Drew Holiday gets back, even if Tyreek Evans gets back, uh, these guys aren't making the finals. And if I was if I was Anthony Davis, for fucking start, I'd get rid of that monobrow, um, but I'd certainly be looking at my... Options. He just signed a massive extension, so he can't really do anything. But he doesn't seem like the guy that would force a trade. But I don't know. Maybe a Boogie Cousins trade would work for this guy. Pelicans, the worst team in the NBA, according to me. Again, on that, I have to mention I didn't include a team like Philadelphia because we know what we know what's happened to Philadelphia. We had no expectations of them. Joel Embiid's been fantastic to watch. I don't include Brooklyn because we know what's happened to them. They were absolutely screwed by their previous general manager. We didn't expect much from them. And Brooklyn, actually surprisingly, uh, I think they're two and four. So that you know they're on track to kind of hit about 25, 30 games um, if they can keep up this current pace. And I think there's a possibility Jeremy Lin is a very good player. Uh, Lopez is a very good player. If he can keep on the floor, he's going to be great, even though he had a pretty poor start to the season. So those guys are not in the fire because the expectations were so low to begin with.
So now that the negativity is out of the way, who are the teams that I'm excited by? Well, if you follow me on Twitter, this is an absolute no-brainer because I am so excited by the Denver Nuggets. Uh, they're only 3-3, three and three, but if you have a look at who they've played and where they've played, they've only played one game at home, which was a heartbreaking loss to the Portland Trailblazers, which they absolutely should have won, if not for the inept coaching of Mike Malone in that particular game. Yusuf Nurkic. I'm not going to bore you with the details, mate, because we already know that I'm man-crushing hard on the Bosnian bear. Uh, he's played so much better than even I could have expected. He's been absolutely beasting opponents down below in the post. Uh, he's been the victim of some puzzling coaching decisions to begin with. The first three games, maybe even the first, maybe the first two games, Malone played him great minutes for three quarters and then benched him in the fourth quarter for Fareed, which was just... A trash decision. Um, Freed had a horrible plus-minus in all those games, and the teams faltered without his you know, Pekovic-like destruction. He, he's just a human Balkan cannonball down there. Uh, so I've been really excited by the progress of Nurkic, even though I'm not surprised. Manuel Mudiay, he started the season pretty poorly. Uh, bad, bad percentages, bad turnovers, not that many assists. But holy shit, did you see that game against Boston? A ridiculous 24-point explosion. Like, who? It, it, what? If you had, a, if I had have given you a prediction, will Manny Moutier ever score 24 points and a half in his career? You'd probably be wise. You probably would have been wise to say no. But he just caught fire. It started slowly. Like, if you watch that game, he, he hit a few layups, and then he just started jacking these wild threes, which usually doesn't work, uh, end well for Manny. But absolutely crushed it. Hit something like four three-pointers in that first quarter. Only scored four points for the rest of the game. Uh, but he's still an exciting talent. Remember that he's only 20 years old. Uh, he's a beast for a point guard. He's massive, very, very strong, and he's only going to get better. Uh, so excited by him. Jamal Murray probably has some pretty poor statistics if you have a look at him, but he's a smooth-looking player. I said in the preseason pod that he's currently listed as a two. I think he's a better point guard, but he's a very, very good player. Uh, and the veterans have all kind of really found their niche. Gallo keeps getting to the foul line, putting up great shots, great percentages. Wilson Chandler's been fantastic off the bench. Uh, and even Will Barton in short, short minutes before he got injured, he started the season quite well. Um, you know, when the team needed a bucket, they'd go to Barton and he'd play quite well. So the vets have fit in quite well. Fareed, I'm not so excited about. I just don't think he has a position in the modern game. Uh, he, he can't shoot. All he can really do is be a hustle player and a rebounder, which is fine in small bursts. But I certainly don't want him to take any minutes away from uh, Nurkic or even Jokic, who is the next guy I'll talk about because I'm a little bit worried about Jokic. Had a fantastic season last season uh, with no other real bigs on the roster. This season, the experiment to play him with Nurkic, I'd love them to keep going with, but Jokic hasn't really played well at the four. He can't guard some of these quicker combo fours, and he kind of looks like he's hanging his head a little bit. He's not getting into the game. Statistically, he's been very, very disappointing, even though you can see that the talent is still there. So I'm a little bit worried about Jokic. I'm really worried about Mike Malone because some of this guy's coaching rotations are just fucking random, man. Like I told you, we started the season benching Nurk in the fourth quarter, even though Nurk had been their best player for the first three quarters. He's finally arrested that, but Jokic sometimes was playing 12 minutes a game. Uh, Nurk played 14 minutes the other day, wasn't in foul trouble, uh, seemingly was playing well against the opponents, but 
this guy's just he's just making it up as he goes along, and, I, and I'm really disappointed because preseason I listened to a few interviews with him. He sounds like he's got his head switched on. Fair enough, it's the start of the season, and now probably is the time to experiment with the lineup and find out who your best five are. But I've been very, very disappointed with Mike Malone, and I need him to just shut the fuck up and play Nurkic 48 minutes a game. Alrighty then. Now, the other team that I'm excited about, and you can hear that my voice is drooping a little bit here because it absolutely pains me to say it. They've been my hate, most hated team as long as I've followed the NBA, um, and that's the Los Angeles Lakers, but you just cannot deny that they are a breath of fresh air this year. Look, Kobe was Kobe, and we love Kobe um, for what he was, but this team is obviously better without him. And I was about to say Bill Walton, but Luke Walton, as predicted, has been... Just a breath of fresh air for this team. Uh, they're all having fun. They've got cute little mantras. <laughs> Ron Artest at the foul line the other day is yelling out, we love basketball, which is apparently their mantra. Honestly, I don't think there's any place in the NBA for something so rainbowy and and cute. But, uh, you know, they seem to be having fun with it. Their young guys look great at the moment. D'Angelo Russell has his ups and downs, but he's an exciting talent. I think... I don't think he's ever going to be a superstar. I think he's going to be an above-average point guard. He certainly is not average just yet. But he, he has the tools. He has the passing. He has the IQ. Uh, he needs to not be such a snitch, but <laughs> we don't have to go into that. I, I think his ceiling is a poor man's Chris Paul because he, he sort of has, even though he has better size, he sort of has that slow-motion game about him. He, he can get in front of a player, use his butt to hold him off and create space for his own shot. His shot's a bit streaky at the moment, um, but he has shown the ability to catch fire, and certainly in the preseason, he was hitting a lot of three-pointers. Julius Randles looked really good. I'll get into that in a little bit of detail later. Uh, Brandon Ingram, man, I've never seen anyone as skinny as this guy in the league. Uh, The comparisons to Kevin Durant are obvious, but... I watched a highlights package of Ingram from this season, and I compared that to a highlight package of uh, Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant was as skinny as Ingram in terms of body fat percentage, but Durant at least has broad shoulders and and wider hips. Ingram just looks like a beanpole out there. Ingram looks like Tony Snell's head, but like six foot eight. So Ingram needs to put on weight, but he's such a long athletic specimen. I think he's going to be a great defensive player if he can develop and keep his shot consistent he has the potential to be a superstar even though I don't think we're going to see it for about four or five years um even the vets on the Lakers have looked really really good uh Williams has looked fantastic off the bench he's only playing about 22 minutes a game but averaging 15 points a game with a lot of steals Nick Young who thought that Swaggy P was going to come off the scrap heap and be a defensive cog in Luke Walton's master plan one player I've been disappointed with is Jordan Clarkson. I thought he was going to start at two guard this year. Uh, Walton said that he wants to bring him off the bench, and that's fair enough. Clarkson accepts that. I understand that. But Clarkson looks a little bit desperate when he gets onto the court, and he jacks some pretty bad shots. He's not giving you anything in terms of assists, steals, rebounds. Basically, if he's not hitting his shot, he's not contributing. And I thought he was a better player than that. I thought he had the ability to be a star. Uh, maybe maybe he's the kind of guy that could be a star on a bad team. Love to see him perhaps be the point guard of Philly because I don't think he's a shooting guard. He's he's certainly a point guard. I think Clarkson's a guy that might be on the trade block later in the season. So I made quite a few predictions uh, before the season started, and there's two that I'd like to happily throw my hands in the air and just admit 
that I was just fucking so wrong. And I'm sorry. And then first of all, that's the Portland Trailblazers. I absolutely regret, absolutely regret not taking the over on their win-loss um, for the season. They're just a much better team. Perhaps I didn't see them enough last year. Uh, but i I got to admit, I underestimated both Lillard and McCollum. Lillard, Lillard particularly is just an absolute stone-cold killer. And most of you already know this. Again, I didn't see that many Portland games last year. I just didn't know he was as good as he is. If not for Steph Curry, I think Lillard would absolutely be celebrated as almost a game-changing point guard. He's such a good shooter off the dribble. He's he's just got no conscience. He can shoot as soon as he steps over half court. He's much better than I thought. And he just has he's one of those players that has the psychotic psychotic ability to just will his team to victory. And McCollum Look, he's just a great player as well. He he very rarely has a down game. He's a very consistent shooter, very good defensively, even though he's undersized as a shooting guard. But that's not his fault that he plays next to such a stud such as Damian Lillard. Now, the other one... Oh, and before I forget, I think we have to acknowledge that Mason Plumley has really made the centrist position himself uh, his own. He's a very good passing center. He's not a particularly good scorer, but he's a great hustle guy, and... Again, must admit, I underestimated the guy. Still would have loved to see the Blazers go out and spend all their money on a stud centre like Whiteside, but we live and we learn, and Mason Plumlee's still a pretty good centre. My biggest apology goes to that marshmallow, weird, bug-out-eyes-looking bastard called Julius Randle for the Lakers. I described him, I had him pegged as, as a poor man, Zach Randolph, and... That really is my bad because I had no idea he had such kind of such an engine, such a motor. He really does actually have quite a lot of athletic ability. Um, he's currently shooting a ridiculous sixty percent, um, and I think he's leading the league in long two percentage. I, I heard that on a podcast today, but I, I can't confirm. Eight rebounds, two and a half assists, which is up to a couple of games ago about what Derek Rose was averaging. Uh, one steal for good measure, and he's averaging just under 15 points a game. So I was wrong about Julius Randle. I still think that Larry Nance Jr. probably would have been a better fit for the Lakers if they wanted to start him, but Randle's really made this position his own, and I was wrong about him. He's kind of been playing like a poor man's Draymond Green, and in the game where the Lakers inexplicably beat the Warriors, uh, he actually kind of out-hustled Draymond Green on a lot of plays. I don't know if you watched it, but he just kind of would beat him to the spot, and Look, I was wrong. Julius, I'm sorry. Keep keep playing like this, mate. Uh, you've proven me wrong. Well done. I'll tell you who I'm not wrong about. The Chicago Bulls. Sorry, Clemente. Uh, the Bulls got off to a ridiculous start. They were 3-0. and uh, I think... Did they get to 4-0 and before they got to the, their first... No, they, they probably lost their fourth game. But they had a ridiculous start. But I never lost faith in my ability to call these guys out for the shit, terribly put-together team that they are. Look, Wade and Butler were hitting a ridiculous percentage of three-pointers in the first few games, um, and they played a couple of really poor teams to begin the season. They had that layup line against Indiana, but I, I still didn't see anything particularly special other than a ridiculously you know, unsustainable three-point shooting percentage. And sure enough, as soon as teams have started realizing this and are going under the screens. And, and the game I'll point you to is the when the Knicks came into Chicago and beat them. Uh, the Knicks went under all the screens, or at the very least switched all the screens, 
Uh, and Chicago looked shit. They didn't have good offense. The Knicks hustled back on defense, and it really came down to some hot shooting from Wade to keep this team even in the game, and the Knicks still were able to get the win. So I'm still feeling confident that the Bulls are going to really struggle to make the playoffs. They're certainly they're certainly going to struggle to make 41 wins. So I'm, I'm happy that the Bulls are as shit as I've predicted. <laughs> Look, they're better than I thought, but they're still as shit as I predicted. The other team I'll talk about, and, and look, I'll be I'll level with you, I might be wrong here. The Los Angeles Clippers, they've had an amazing start. They really, really look good. But why I predicted that this team would win under 53 is basically they have no depth. And their three stars at the moment are playing like the superstars that they all are. But they are one Chris Paul injury away or a Blake Griffin injury away from just being basically a lottery team. If Chris Paul goes down... I just don't think that this team can sustain anything remotely like a 50% winning record, and they're going to struggle. So, look, I might be wrong about this team, but we have to wait and see whether or not they can get through the season unscathed. couple of random thoughts before I tell you how my official over and under bets are going uh, and wrap this podcast up. Did you watch Westbrook versus little bitch Kevin Durant? Fuck me, what a bummer that game was. I honestly, I can't remember being more excited for a non-playoffs game. Really? Oh, okay. Maybe when Cle- when LeBron came back to Cleveland after taking his talents to South Beach. But this was definitely number two. I was completely pumped for this game. Um, for some strange reason, the Warriors brought out a maestro to do the national anthem, and I was pumped. I thought that Russell Westbrook was going to grab the maestro's violin and smash it over his head. Uh, and the game started off amazing with the OKC Thunder taking out a first quarter lead, but little bitch Kevin Durant caught fire, and that was that. It was such an anticlimax of a game. Uh, tell me what you thought of it. It was the first really time that the Warriors flexed their muscles after a pretty mediocre start to the season. But somehow the OKC Thunder have come out of the blocks pretty well this season, so I can't wait for the next Warriors at OKC game. Again, the boos are going to be absolutely spectacular for little bitch Kevin Durant. I can't wait for that game. Uh, One thing that's really pissing me off about the league at the moment, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I'm sure you're you're the same, but have you noticed that the referees are bailing out the superstars much more this year than, than ever? It's so fucking frustrating. It's like every team gets one golden boy. If James Harden makes a move to the to the line and you know and misses the layup, God forbid, the referees almost wait to see if the ball goes in the ring and then they call the foul. The, the, the superstars know this and they go up. They'll take a bad shot with one second left in the the shot clock, flail the legs like they've been stabbed in the side, and they get the call ninety percent of the time. It's fucking ridiculous and it's really, really it, it's it's a blight on the game. I can't stand it. Similarly, the travel calls. I've noticed that the referees have ramped up the travel calls when you see a guy catch the ball, fake, and then push off with either the left or the right foot. They often call that for travel. They're probably right. There probably always is travel. But when you see LeBron pick up the ball or maybe even Giannis Kumpo pick up the ball at half court and take 11 steps, even Harden take 11 Euro steps to the ring, just a little bit of consistency would be fucking fantastic. Um, there's a few bad fucking haircuts in the league at the moment. Uh, you know, I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I got on Twitter tonight and started a hashtag. Fuck knows what it's called. Follow me at Adonis Muir on Twitter. I'm sure there's more bad haircuts at the moment, but uh, number four on the bad haircut list is Matt Barnes, who's 
rocking a pretty pissy little top knot. I'm not a fan of top knots at the best of times, but if you're going to do it, do it right, son. Uh, coming in at number three is Benno Udrik, who's got a, again, sort of a top knot slash rat tail combination, but um, he's dyed it blonde as well, so he looks a bit like a top deck chocolate. Apologies to those in America that don't know what that means. Number two is Australia's own, and it pains me to say it, but Aaron Baines, you look like a fucking shiny penis with that ridiculous, ridiculous, uh, whatever the fuck, that I don't know what you call it, and the opposite of an undercut perhaps, but with that plastic mask on as well, you look like a protected penis, and you're embarrassing Australia, mate, please stop. Number one has got to be Alfred Payton with that frizzy, it looks like he's wearing a floppy cap, and look, I don't know if his fringe is in his eyes when he's shooting jump shots, but mate, you look like a fucking dimwit, and it needs to stop. Uh, let me know if I've missed any terrible haircuts. I'm going to be keeping an eye on really, really relevant NBA things like this. Finally on the round of bits, can we all just shout out to Steph Curry, who broke the record today with 13 three-pointers from 17 attempts. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. And I saw two examples in my Facebook friends today of people that are just like, oh, Steph hit 33s, who gives a fuck? Are you fucking kidding? This guy is still, even though he hasn't started the season as well as he did last season, he still continues to do ridiculous things. And you guys have been desensitized to the brilliance of this guy. Uh, I find it very hard to like anybody on the Warriors at the moment, but how can you possibly hate on Steph Curry? Uh, Unless your name is Oscar Robertson, who is no doubt sitting back somewhere... Gary Payton hating on, on this guy. Oh, I bet you I could have shot 13 from 17 if there was a three-point line. Get the fuck out of here, Oscar Robinson. Uh, I hit nine out of 11 three-pointers once, um, and I didn't sleep for about two weeks after that. And I told fucking everybody, because that's an achievement, and the poor Jewish students at Carmel College have never been the same since. Guys, Steph Curry is doing things that have never been done before, and you need to appreciate him for what he's worth. You know what? I was going to run through my summary of how my over-under bets are going at the moment, but let's just... Look, that might be a little bit boring, and suffice to say, they're going fucking well. And at the end of the day, I don't really want to give any more gambling tips after last year, other than to remind you to go and sign up with my mates over at PlayerLine Pro. Alright guys, this has been a pretty long one. Thanks for tuning in to the NBA Daily Cashlines podcast with the Don's Muir. Hit me up on Twitter, tell your friends, tell your kids, tell your wife. Peace.